Picture it. Marriage, an architect, or crime for a few examples. Did you picture it through a gay lens? We didn't think so. Society associates most things through heterosexual norms, but what happens when it's looked at differently? Every week, we examine different situations, peoples, and events to challenge the status quo. Join us in creating a space that allows you to access a new wealth of knowledge and representation for the LGBTQIA community and its achievements as well as its struggles. Hi, I'm your co-host, Jamie Wildgoose. And I'm Austin Pellegrin-Webb. And thanks for tuning in to Queers in Your Ears. Well, hello there, Austin. Hi, Jamie. Welcome back. So um, I also wanted to do something a little bit different for this starting of our podcast. I wanted to play a little game. Are we shaking it up? Oh, we are shaking it up. (gasps) Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Only the real ones know that where that's from. Do you know where that's from? I don't. Oh, damn. It's a, so, <laughs> so it's the Check It Out Girls from Sunny with the Chance. They were like... Oh my gosh, no. Check it out. Check it out. Jamie, I keep forgetting that you were born in like 2007. You're only three years older than me, so... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah, but in gay community, I'm 50 and you're like 19. True. The face of this podcast. Just kidding. Wow. <laughs> But so I wanted us to play Two Truths and a Lie so our listeners can get to know us a little bit better. That's right. So can you explain the like parameters, the rules of the game, Jamie? Absolutely. <laughs> so the parameters are the game is one of us are, is going to present two truths and a lie to the other one. And then that person will have to guess which is a lie and which is the truth. I'm so ready. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? It does not matter. All right. Then you go ahead and go first. Okay. So my first statement is, I've been to Great Sand Dunes National Park. My second statement is, I used to dirt bike when I was little. And my next one is, my favorite band is Fleetwood Mac. Okay. Um, I think that you definitely used to motorbike or dirt bike when you were little because you're a real country ass bitch. Um, number, what was the first one that you, you went to the sand dunes? Yes. I would say... That Fleetwood Mac is not your favorite, and that's the lie. No. Damn! I don't even know you, Jamie! So, my lie is I used to dirt bike when I was little. Are you real? Yeah. Oh my god. So, my dad got me a dirt bike when I was, like, nine, and I rode it, and I fell and almost broke my leg. And then you're like, like, I'll never get on again. At least you're smart enough to not get back on. I mean, I had no... I was like, I'm done with this. There you go, Jeremy. That's so funny! And I went to Great Sand Dunes National Park when I was visiting my brother in Colorado. That's incredible. Was it beautiful? Oh, sorry guys. Uh, Jamie was down taking a sip of his cocktail. Sorry. It was honestly really cool. People had like the cardboard or Mm -hmm. like metal sheets and they were like, you know, sliding down the sand dunes. Oh, for real? Oh, Oh, yes. That's the thing that they do. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to watch. However, walking in the sand was very difficult. Especially when you're trying to traverse the Especially... Yeah, especially in six-inch stilettos. Actually, they were nine-inch. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, you're excused. You're like, we came here to aerate these dunes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing, Jamie. I'm excited to hear what yours are. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Two truths in a line. So, number one is, I bit my tongue almost completely off on one of my birthdays. At one of my birthday parties as a kid. Number two is, I've hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. And number three is, I once considered getting a tattoo of a pint of sour cream for three or four months at a time. 
So I definitely know the one of the sour cream is two because the amount of sour cream that we eat when we're eating mashed potatoes. Correct. And I think that your lie is that you've hiked the entire Appalachian Trail. It's totally true. Jamie's like, you don't get out of the couch. Let's be for real. Well, I know. That, that's not my <laughs> Well, that was funnier. Well, I said it because the Appalachian Trail is stands, like spans such a long... It's so long. So it's like, I do want to do it one day. I think that'd be really fun. That's like a four to six month, I seven know. month journey. And the cold, you have to start like on either end in winter, and I'm like, barf. You literally have to be like, goodbye to mm. everyone for eight months, yeah. and I will see you on the other side. Which is kind of my dream life, is just not talk to anyone for nine months at a time. Come out of the woods, just be out, long hair, and just a beard. Honestly, probably during COVID would have been a time to do it. I tried, but you know. Social media keeps you on your toes. <laughs> True. Unless you had unlimited data, then you'd be fine. Amen, sister. So... Did you learn more about us? I hope so. <laughs> and we would love to learn more about you. So if you want us to do this little two truths and a lie game with you, go right ahead and DM us. Yeah. Or if you have any other ideas for the show whatsoever, please DM us at Queers in Your Ears on Instagram or comment below wherever you listen. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. <laughs> Okay, so what are we talking about today, Austin? I think um, the best way to phrase it is, do you love naked men oiled up and wrestling? It depends on the venue. Okay, that's honest. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be talking about some very Greek stuff. And that's the entire episode. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> You've been a great audience. This is a quality recording. All right, do you, I think, um, I'm going to begin, I'm going to set a little story for us all. Are you ready? No. Okay. Now I'm ready. Okay, great. I was about to ask. So we are in, I'm going to, I'm going to paint a picture. So I really want you to like close your eyes. Everyone listening, this is the ASMR portion of our show. You are in a breezy, bright, sunny meadow. The weather's perfect, 0% humidity, but it's a dry heat. Don't worry, you're fine. You're probably naked. You're a muscular, probably underage male. You're playing discus with the god of inspiration, Apollo. And then, guess what? One time, Apollo throws the discus. It's flying uh, in a good direction. And then your jealous ex shows up. That's the worst. Guess who your jealous ex is? Um, is it Achilles? Uh, no, it's Zephros, the West Wind, and he, or they, I'm not gonna lie, I don't remember which pronoun they use, they're pissed that you're playing with a new man in the field. Well, who wouldn't be, because let's be honest, gay men can't be happy for each other. Amen, sister. So next, Zephros says, you ain't messing with my man. Apollo throws that discus, and the West Wind himself blows it away. And it careens right towards your noggin, cracks your skull open, you're dead on the ground. You know what this reminds me of? What? Flashback, I actually got hit in the nose during indoor track season with a frisbee. That's hot. Did you break your nose? Thank God, no. Ugh. Well, thank God for you. So, was the story picturesque? Were you feeling it all? I was feeling the fantasy. Okay. Until my ex showed up. Exactly. And you know what? Greek mythology is never, ever, ever boring, in my opinion. I mean, don't get me wrong. It can be and it has been. But in Greek mythology, we know that homosexuality in Greek culture was not as prohibited as it is in our modern Western culture. So there are even myths, like one that I just described to you, in Greek mythology that pertain to homosexuality and lesbianism. <laughs> I don't know if lesbianism is the correct term, but like there are sapphic myths as well. So the myth I just told you is the myth of Hyokinthos, which is actually a mortal 
um, man in this myth, and he's just so beautiful that all these gods are, like, clamoring for his pussy. I don't know if you can say pussy, but... Are they... Let me ask you, are they all male gods, or are female gods? Um, you mean in this myth? Yeah. They're all male. Okay. Or male, at least, masculine and in, in d- divineness, I guess. Apollo is seen pictured as a male and things like that. And definitely Greek gods had genders, of course. We know that now. But um, this is not the first instance that homosexuality was actually historically important to, to Greeks because they use these myths and mythology to kind of um, explain the world. You know, that's what mythology is for any kind of culture. But this one is so indicative of just kind of what their value system was. And I think it's just really interesting to go back and read these old, before most cultures and civilizations were even thought of, they were essentially writing romance stories about people. So the, the reason why that myth is so much fun is because it's an origin story of a hyacinth flower. Because when Apollo cast the discus and Zephyros blew it into Hyacinthos' head, he died. And then Apollo, to kind of immortalize his lover, Hyacinthos, he used his blood to create the first hyacinth flower. Which, if you don't know what hyacinth is, you can Wikipedia it. But that's kind of like the Greek origin story there. So it's beautiful, it's romantic, it's very gay, and we love it. Um, But we also know that overall in Greek culture, homosexuality was definitely kind of back and forth viewed pretty indifferently. Um, There's definitely a culture there for same-sex couples. There are parts in... And you have to remember that Greek history is very long, Jamie. It goes for thousands of years. And they have differing kind of changing opinions on homosexuality, but overall they kind of keep this generally okay, like, feel toward it. So it's just interesting that these stories still survive today. And I also think that there are politics that play into the ways that we... Um, viewed homosexuality in the past. If you're a historian, I think it must be really hard to look at text and kind of picture what that everyday person would have thought about this topic. But but we know that it was favorable because it survived for so long. That's why Greek mythology is really important, I think. I also think it is difficult to kind of like take this portion out of history, especially because during Greek history, homosexuality homosexuality was so accepted Mm -hmm. that so many people wrote about it. And I also think it wasn't a big deal to write about. So if you happen to sit down and write a story and it was about two men or two women who were like, were living this nice life and felt really fell for each other. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's whatever. I think it, when people interject religion right into it that's when it becomes an issue right and i think that's like my point that i'm getting to here is just generally this humanity like i don't want to say this humanity but like our humanness shows these same things over and over again like homosexuality racism is something that always comes up within humans and also acceptance things you know we're very like dimensional being we're crazy animals but we're good I think overall. Well, there are issues that should not be a problem. Right. Yet seem to continue surrounding problems. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. And that's just, and so like when you, when, and that's kind of what mythology is, it's just a mirror to look at your own humanity. And I don't want to get too deep on the podcast, but it is really, really fun to go back and read just classical myths because you'll, you're, you kind of experience very universal emotions and universal like teachings. Well, and to me, sometimes mythology 
is not such a mirror, but it's a reflection of what should be. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people who, you know, pour over and inspect these things. And it's like, well, it's a shame that it can't be translated into real life. Right. Even though we constantly should strive for that. 100%. Oh my gosh, we just had like such a, a deep reflection. And I think a simple story is important. I mean, we are literally using the the medium of voice, you know, like oral story storytelling. And it still to this day is important to us. So why these mythologies are just so interesting for that. And especially if you're gay, because the Greeks were hella gay all the time, pretty much. Because it didn't matter. At the end of the day, it didn't matter. That's right. And they really did. So I just want to bring up a few more points here before I pass it over to you, because I'm sure. really excited to hear your segment. Sure. Um, I got very lecturing there, so we're just going to like lighten our mood a little bit. Um, we know, like I said, that we had kind of a favorable, favorable view toward homosexuality, but there's a caveat toward that in Greek Greek society, and that is they had a favorable view of homosexuality when you were not the bottom. <laughs> so if you, yes, yes, I did read that. This as is well. a, this yes. is actually this is actually a commonly believed um, facet of of Greek history that homosexuality was okay if you were the penetrator and not the penetratee. So if you were a top, you were cool. But if you're a bottom, you're a drool. You're literally a drool. Uh, yeah, the, there's literally um, essentially the social stigma assigned to being a bottom. And I just want to let you know that it kind of still exists today, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because I do actually, I found it in my reading as well. And I did a little bit more research to understand kind of why it was Okay. it was. Okay. Then I think I just want to add one more thing and then I'm ready. Yeah, go ahead. Because on top of the bottom and the top being socially kind of separated in terms of, you know, exaltation, there's just funnier things to me and I just want to drop this off. If you go to the Wikipedia article and you open up, because, you know, we do Wikipedia studying. We don't do real studying here. We let you take the depth. We're just going to show it to you. Um, Wikipedia, Wikipedia uses the wording the active penetrator and the submissive penetratee. So when you go to the Wikipedia article, I think that wording is hysterical, but that's how they differentiate between tops and bottoms on a scholarly Wikipedia article, which is not scholarly whatsoever. But I think they use those, like, string of words because technically tops and bottoms is a slang. I know, Jamie, but isn't that funny that someone had to, like, they're like, we can't just write tops and bottoms in the Wikipedia article. They're like, you need to get a thesaurus out right now. You should, you should like, write into them and be like, I'm going to edit this page, and this is exactly what it should be. And everyone's going to upvote it. <laughs> so thanks for listening to me. Are, you, are we still in Greaseland when we move over? Are we still Greasers when we, when we move to your story, Jamie? We are. We have not left the Greek region. Yay! I love Greek regions. So I wanted to cover another Greek, and his name was Alexander the Great. Was he born in Greece, though? Yes. I'm ready. Do you know anything about Alexander the Great at all? I know that because I'm gay, so the only thing I know is Scandal. And he, did he not, oh, you know what, I'm thinking of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. Isn't that right? Or was it Alexander the Great and Cleopatra? I did not run across. Oh, no! Then I think it was probably Mark Antony. That makes more sense to me. Okay. Well, let me... I don't think I know anything about Alexander the Great. Let me give you a little insight on Alexander the Great. Teach me. So, Alexander was known as the ruler of ancient Macedonia, which is a region that spanned Greece, Albania, and the Republic of Macedonia. Okay. He was history's greatest military mind. 
he also established the largest empire the ancient world had seen. Alexander the Great was born in Pella, Macedonia in 356 BC to King Philip II and Queen Olympias. Alexander showed great resilience, cunning, and strength from an early age, and those were telling attributes for his life to come. And at the age of 12, he tamed a wild stallion named oh. Bucephalus. Oh! Wait, let me see. I want to see how it's spelled. So, it's spelled... I don't, I'm probably not pronouncing this right. Can I try? It's right here. Is that a C? I yes. bet you it's Bucephalus, which is hysterical to me. So, Bucephalus. I love That's it. Probably I better. love it. So, he tamed Bucephalus. Uh, Busa- you got this. <laughs> he tamed Bucephalus. Bucephalus? Bucephalus. Bucephalus. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, though. <laughs> Who became his um, battle companion. Mm-hmm. And you could say he was drawn to small male characters from a really early start because he would, that, was, that horse was a stallion. He wasn't a mare. Right. Um, Alexander also studied under Aristotle, who introduced him to the world of literature, mm-hmm. science, mm-hmm. medicine, and philosophy. Oh, my. And at the age of 16, he led a wing of cavalry against an unbeatable army during the Battle of Caronia. Okay. Which I probably said wrong, but that's okay. But you guys can correct us later. So, flash forward to 336 BC. Mm-hmm. Alexander's life changed forever. His father was assassinated, and at the age of 20, he ascended to the throne. Sure. Even at the beginning of his reign, there was unrest under his rule. He led an army crossing a narrow strait between the Aegean Sea and the Sea of Marmara and crushed a Persian and Greek force. He continued his conquest, sieging places like Sardis, Malethius, Malaysia... And uh, this is so hard. Helicarnassus. Halicarnassus. Halicarnassus. Thank you for that pronunciation. You guys listen. We're not. We're not here to teach you how to pronounce ancient Greek words. You could do that on your own. And I apologize. I'm definitely butchering these. Yes, but out of respect, we're trying our best. So throughout his military career, he entered Egypt, became the king of Persia, and. He also entered India. In Egypt, he established the city of Alexandria that Mm -hmm. is still alive today. He became the king of Persia by defeating King Darius in 331 BC. That's hot. And when he entered India, he marched on the city of Punjab and defeated King Porus of Parvara and named the city... Can you guess what he named it? No. Bucephalus, after his horse. Yeah. He really liked that horse. Yeah, that horse meant a lot to him. I <laughs> That horse meant a lot to him. Well, I <laughs> presume that was probably one of his best friends because yeah. he had been with him so long. That's so... It's like war horse all over again. Or secretariat. Secretariat. Boosh. So, on June 10th or 11th, 323 BC, Ooh. Alexander died in the palace of Nubakandarziar <laughs> in Babylon... At the age of 32. Now, there's two different versions of his death, so I'm going to tell them both. Hold on. I need to, I need to stop, just because this is Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not good at pronouncing <laughs> Okay, I do know okay? that one. I'm not good at pronouncing <laughs> No, Jamie, you're teaching me so much, so okay. thank you. So, in version one, Alexander entertained Admiral Nicarius and spent the next few days and nights drinking with the Admiral and also 
Midius of Larissa, who was a family friend or buddy. Yeah. And he eventually developed a fever and continually progressively worsened in health until he died. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation around Alexander the Great and his death. I mean, I believe he was a great man. Uh, Well, to me, I just am kind of like, I'm surprised Mm -hmm. that there isn't like a definitive answer on his death because his life was reported so well. Right. And... In version two of his death, Alexander was stricken with pain after downing a concoction of unmixed libations, followed by 11 days of weakness. I mean, talk about a hangover, right? Honey, I've I've (laughs) lived that life before. And then he died of agony and exhaustion. Oh my gosh. Every Monday morning. There also are conspiracies surrounding his death that I wanted to tell into on. a little bit. Let's do it. So the first conspiracy was he was poisoned due to his vast amounts of wealth and power. Yet some doubt this due to the fact that long-acting poisons may not have been abundant at this time. However, on the mm-hmm. controversy, there is support for this as the plant veratum album that allowed similar aspects. Of that poisoning. Of the long, prolonged poison. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then the other controversy or conspiracy is that there were several natural diseases that were around that suggest that his ailment was caused. So those diseases were malaria, typhoid fever, meningitis, acute pancreatitis, and then the West Nile virus, which does make sense because he was in Egypt. Okay. So, really, wow. I mean, you, it's unfortunate that we don't have a definitive answer. But we know it wasn't coronavirus. But we know it wasn't coronavirus, that's for right, sure. Right, right, right. So then, I wanted to talk about the gay aspects of his life. Please? Okay, okay, I have a few questions before we move on to the gay aspects. Sure, yeah. So, early life, he's definitely probably thrown into way too much responsibility at a young age, because my first thought was, he was 20 when he assumed the throne. Could you imagine taking a nation under your arm when you can't even, like, stop masturbating for 20 minutes? If I was Alexander the Great, though, I think I would be ready. Because... Oh! If you... So he was born into a very wealthy family. And those people who are born to such a status... They're just trained to be... Are trained... So he comes from royalty. He comes from, like, that assumption. Oh, he was a prince, yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. he had the literal so much stuff in his fingertips. That's so interesting. And so he was, a, he was a like tutored by the great mind of Aristotle. Yeah, that's true. If Aristotle was his actual literal tutor, could you imagine? No, he was like he. I know that's what I mean, but like, could you imagine having Aristotle as your tutor? No, I'd be like, what are you saying? Like, How sign I, my T-shirt. But Aristotle didn't have the fame he does now. So no, that's also true. He was just a teacher. But if he spit in fire like he was that we want to publish today, he was very clearly a celebrity back in the day. I don't think he was gay, but let's just do a whole episode on Aristotle. Or let's try to prove that he was gay. I actually do think there is speculation that Aristotle was a gay man. Stop. Okay, so I'm ready for the gay segment of Alexander the Great. Yeah, so that's... I just wanted to give, like, what his life was about. I love it. I'm caught up. This is, like, the more in-depth part. So, do you remember when I mentioned the earlier battle of Chaeronea? Yes. But do you remember how I also didn't mention who Alexander was fighting? You did. You said something army. I said a Persian army, but I didn't specify. No, you didn't. 
So the reason I didn't specify it was they were fighting the sacred band of Thebes, which can you guess what was comprised of? Gay males that were probably muscular and oily. Yes. Wearing so the, so the whole army of the sacred band of Thebes was gay lovers. <sighs> And the reason I bring this up is in ancient Greece, homosexuality was an accepted part of everyday life. And this army came from the idea of Plato. Mm -hmm. And he thought about this idea because having an army of gay lovers would ensure that every battle was fought as rigorously, efficiently, and heroically, as well as fiercely as possible because these men would be fighting to protect their lovers. Jamie, Jamie, but this is platonic love. This is where platonic no. comes... That's mm. Plato comes from platonic love. Or vice versa. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, my mind just got blown. So, the idea... This idea... Well, it wasn't an idea, because it, it, it was came in, to fruition. Sure. So, this army reminded me of the movie 300 BC, or This is Sparta. Yeah. Because everyone's ripped and everyone's sweating and it's overtly homoerotic. Well, this movie was a comedy and it basically depicted the army of Sparta and every male, how they introduced each other, where they would kiss each other on the mouth. But that's a thing. Yeah. That's a real thing. And I think in Greek culture, that's how they greeted each other. Oh, interesting. That's what we're saying. It's just absolutely dripping with, with homosexuality. homosexuality. So... The idea did inspire and saw the formation of the group of the Sacred Band of Thebes as a branch of the Thebian army consisting of 150 pairs of gay lovers. And it wasn't just for publicity, the army actually did engage in several battles, such as the Battle of Leuctra in 371 BC against the Spartans. And admission to the army, you might think is an easy process because all you have to be is a gay lover. However, it was very rigorous. So the army was picked based on athleticism and military experience mm -hmm. and saw the pairing of an older, more assertive man with a younger, <laughs> more passive to not only create a mentorship and true partnership and vow, but the sacred in their name was reminiscent and chosen for the vow that the lovers took towards each other. This is extremely gay. Extremely gay. But effective. The army was defeated by Alexander and his father, and one could say that Alexander firsthand experienced his own sexual and gay awakening mm -hmm. because he saw these people in battle. And it was cited that Alexander and his father gave the sacred band of thieves the option of surrendering and living. Mm -hmm. However, these men chose to die with the their death. partners. Sure. Yes. So then I wanted to touch upon marriage and sexuality in Alexander's life. Okay. So as I stated earlier, in Greek society, it wasn't uncommon to have a relationship with both men and women, but it was expected at some point to marry a woman and produce an heir. Mm -hmm. Alexander's father, Philip, and his mother, Olympias, had reservations about their son, so much so that they employed a courtician mm -hmm. or a concubine mistress and prostitute. Um, to actually spark Alexander's interest in women because he was paying so much attention to men. Oh my gosh. So despite his parents' worries, Alexander did marry three times. He married Roxana of Patricia in 327 BC. They had one child named Alexander IV. Um, 
And he also married Strateria in 324 BC, as well as Perisetus in 324 BC. However, the last two marriages were for political reasons and two were just like smooth over kind like of... Like a political problem. Yes. Way back. And he also did have a mistress who was named Barsine, and he produced... She, yeah, sorry, she produced Hercu- uh, Hercules of Macedon, which people say was his as well. Oh, yeah, for... Okay. But technically, she... Like, that um, Hercules of Macedon could have been anyone's child because she was just a mistress to Alexander. But it might be Alexander the Great. Yes, speculation. At the ancient Greek mooring, he was like, you are not the father. And then Alexander the Great runs off the stage. (laughs) Into his gay lover's arms. He was right. So, as I was reading this, I kind of thought to myself, wow, so he really was only interested in women to fulfill his Greek duty of producing an heir. What do you think? I think you're dead on because just the fact that everything that he did in terms of his marriage life was to smooth over political woes seems like it made it a job to him. And when he was raised in the military fighting at a young age, it makes sense for him to be just a man to get a job done and then, you know, get a little sneaky, sneaky peeky between the cheeky on the side with like a muscular Greek man. Do you know what I mean? Well, I like that you bring that up because I'm ready. Now I'm going to provide the proof that he was actually involved with several That's right. lovers. You heard it here first. We have the pictures online at TMZ.com. <laughs> so Alexander had one special man in his life who was a man named Hephaestion. 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 I know this story. Do you want to know why I know this story? Why? Because it called me, call me by your name. Shaking my head. I know David doesn't like calling by your name, but I'm I'm one of those twinks, so. So Hephaestion grew up with Alexander and studied alongside him under Aristotle. Hephaestion makes his first historical appearance in Troy when he in Alexander honored Achilles and Pericles. Patroclus. Pericles. Patroclus. Patroclus. And famously, Achilles and Patroclus were painted as a couple. Yes. So Hephaestion was Alexander's closest friend, bodyguard, and general. Alexander and Hephaestion were thought to have a relationship based on pedestry, which is a Greek word for two young men who engage in romantic relations before they marry women. Yes, and I was going to touch on this a little bit because pederasty is like all over Greek Greek history. And it was, a, do you want to give a, like a, a rundown or are you just going to move on from the definition of it? Pederasty is two young men who engage in romantic relations before they marry. Okay, gotcha. And it's like a mentorship, right? No. No, it's just full on... Well, it's two young men Mm -hmm. who are engaging in it. Okay, gotcha. I mean, varying ages before they decide to marry women. And it honestly could span however many age ranges. Oh, okay. Because... You don't, it's not like you have to have a set date of when you're going to get married. Like, I am going to get married at age right. 20. You might be stuck with someone for a long time. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Pederastry may have pointed out this relationship between Alexander and Hephaestion. However, it also might have pointed out that their relationship was different and was not typical. And what I mean by this is that they might have been in love, and that's why they continued to have a sexual relationship into adulthood <gasps> instead of severing ties like normal people. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say normal people, just people. Right. After their right. pederastry is done. Right. So Alexander and Ephestian did not have a publicly sexual relationship, which is why 
a lot of people think that they kind of were just best friends. However, I think different, as one does. <laughs> so the reason I think differently is because I think that Alexander and Hephaestion wanted to have a more intimate relationship and to keep up the appearance of just having best friends. They weren't particularly sexual in public. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think that they wanted to have their most personal moments alone together to remain just that, not for prying eyes or anyone else to examine. Mm -hmm. I wanted to bring up another sexual relationship that Alexandra had with a male named Bagoas, who was a eunuch, which if people don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch is a young male who has been castrated to serve a specific social function. And Bagoas... And Alexander would repeatedly kind of greet or embrace each other sexually. So a lot of people were able to see it, such as kissing on the mouth. Oh my. And other things. Uh, He's like, hey, daddy. Basically. I know. It has to be. So there's two different relationships that Alexander was really having. And that makes me think that his relationship with Hephaestion was so much more than kind of just showing people like, oh, well. You know, I'm living up to what I'm supposed to. Right. And now I'm going to ask the question, has your opinion changed of whether Alexander the Great was gay or not? It definitely has. I've, you know, to be honest and fair, I do know a little bit about the lore between him and Hephaestion. You asked me what I knew about him. I forgot that I knew that. Um, But I just feel like, Maybe not even the fact that he might have been gay, but the fact that he was more open with sexuality. Because I do believe that there is a diff- there's something to say. Well, what am I trying to say? There's a label between gays and lesbians, but there is a true like bisexuality where people should be recognized for it. Obviously, I know there's like kind of prejudice in the gay community against bisexuals and vice versa, but um, that to me is more of an indicator of the times and the culture that Alexander was, like, definitely in love with a man. I don't know if he was definitely gay, but it sounds like he was very gay. Well, let me spin your head one more time. Ah! You spin me right round. Let's do it. So I did a little more digging, and the reason I believe that Alexander the Great was a homosexual man, even though he did have intercourse with women, was Hephaestion died in 324 BC. Mm-hmm. When Alexander heard the news, he started fasting, he stopped all hygienic measures and died a year later due to a death factor never really being proven. And I came to the speculation that maybe he died of a broken heart. Yeah. If you remember me saying in 324, he also married two other women. Okay. So he could have been trying to find a fulfilling relationship now that But never found one. Yes. So wait, Hephaestion died and then he remarried? So Hephaestion died and he married two times in 324 BC. In just that one year. In just that one year. Oh my gosh, yeah, he definitely was on a spiral. That's why I think people are downplaying the relationship that he really had with Hephaestion. Right, it was clearly more important to him emotionally. And I think people are afraid to say that Alexander... Was gay. Yes. Is gay. Just took the words right out of my mouth. Because I think people are afraid to say that homosexuality spans so far back. When in reality, homosexuality has been a part of... Humanity? Just, yes. Forever. 100%. Right. So... Well, Jamie. Yeah, that's all I have on Alexander the Great. That was, in, that was incredible. It made my three and a half paragraphs worth listening to. 
That was incredible. So we just outed someone who's been dead for 2,300 years. Yes. Incredible. You heard it here first, folks. Alexander the Great's lawyers can direct their questions to our lawyers, which we do not own. Which will win anyway, because I just laid out like a five-step plan of how Alexander the Great was gay. Yeah, if you presented that to Judge Judy, she'd be like, I don't see any problems with that. She'd be like, case dismissed. Case dismissed, that's right, sweetie. And honestly, if anyone, you know, wants to write in about their own speculation of Alexander the Great, I would love to hear it, because this, to me, really... Seals the deal. my interest. And when I was reading, they go in to say that Alexander really paved the way for other leaders to be gay. When I was reading, Julius Caesar was brought up. Oh. Apparently, he was not seen in a very positive light because he was the bottom. Right. As you were referring to earlier. Right. Which is hysterical to me. (laughs) I just don't... I just don't understand why it was such an issue. Because... Have you ever bottomed before? Yeah. That's why. (laughs) Uh, that's very rude. I know, I know. Whatever. I'm like a 24-7 bottom. Listen, if anyone... You know what you should do is support your bottoms. And if you want to pay me and not Jamie, that's fine. Because I'm the bottom here. I would like everyone to know that I would like equal pay because this is a partnership. This is not... Jamie actually owns 51% of the company. I am that bitch. (laughs) Always will be that bitch. But I own 49 and... The microphone. (laughs) This is from work, though. Yeah, I mean, you do own the microphone, so maybe... No, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I was going to... Oh, true. But anyway. So, before we leave for the episode, I wanted to tell a little joke about Grace, since we've been (laughs) talking about Grace in our episode. Okay, I'm ready. What game did the Greek gods play? I don't know. Hydra and Go Seek. Oh my god. Jamie, you've taught me so much about Alexander the Great today. Thank you so much for being here. And Austin, you let me sip on a little Greek chai fantasy. That's right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Toodles. Hey, Queerwigs. It's Jamie and Austin here. And thanks for listening to our latest episode. Now that you've heard our voices, we want to hear yours. So leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And go follow us at Queers In Your Ears on Instagram. And have a gay day. Goodbye, Queerwigs.